truly no other name in the heavens in which we will overcome, in which we will have our hope, and which we can have a desire of great things to come, than that of Jesus Christ, our mighty warrior, our hope is in him. We have professed that in song today because we truly believe that to be the case. We believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that the only way for us to have hope is through Christ Jesus our Lord and by our devotion to him. Thank you for being here today. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2 where our scripture reading was from just a few moments ago. And I appreciate our brother reading from that particular text and particularly from reading from the English Standard Version because it helps us with our study today when we're talking about the importance of being devoted to our God and things that we are to be devoted to. We have so many who are visiting with us today and we are thankful for your presence as well. And we hope that the things that we do, the things that we say, the examples that we set, that they will render themselves as teaching points to you as we're trying to grow closer to God and be devoted and dedicated to our Creator. I've been to a number of different wedding services, marriage ceremonies, you may call them, wherein the preacher man or the person who is officiating the service says, this choice among who you are marrying is the most important choice or most important decision you'll ever make. But we understand that the more important choice, the more important decision that a person can make is becoming a child of God. And for those who are here this morning that are not Christians, who have never been baptized to have your sins washed away, we hope that you will make the choice to become a child of God yet today while the opportunity is provided. We are not guaranteed of a future opportunity to become a child of God. But becoming a Christian is without a doubt the most important choice a person will ever make. But once we have made that decision, as we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, we need to do everything that God has asked of us as his children. Another way of saying that is simply this, that once we become Christians... It's not a matter of us saying, well, I've done what God has asked me to do and I am now on easy street to heaven. But rather the process has begun where we must grow and we must mature and we must be dedicated and devoted to doing what God has asked us to do. That manifests itself in a number of different ways in our faithful living, in the way that we treat others and borrowing from what Brother David said last Sunday morning practicing true brotherly kindness and that kind of love that we are to have for one another. But in order to know what God wants us to do, the best way to figure that out is to go to the scriptures and to see what the scriptures teach of us. And it seems to me that as you read through the book of Acts, we find the early Christians doing exactly that. You find where the Bereans were more noble than others because they were searching the scriptures daily to see what it is that they needed to do in order to improve. 
And furthermore, we need to understand that these early Christians were truly devoted. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, which is going to be the anchor passage for our study this morning, the New King James says they continued steadfastly. The English Standard Version says that they were devoted to a number of key things. That once they became Christians, once they were solid saints, they continued steadfastly or were devoted to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to being prayerful. Those four things were things that they were devoted to 2,000 years ago and are the very four things that we should be devoted to. What does it mean to be devoted, though? I think about devoted. I think about certainly the New King James where it says continuing steadfastly. When you are dedicated or devoted to something, you think about something that is important in your life. Some of that is valuable in your life. We are not devoted to things that are unimportant, but rather we are devoted oftentimes to our spouses, to our families, to our jobs. But most importantly, we are devoted to God himself. Praise the Lord, our mighty warrior. And indeed, we should be devoted to the same things that these apostles and that these early Christians as being taught by the apostles were devoted to. I want to talk about those four things today in a very application-centered way. Number one, we are to be devoted to doctrine. These New Testament Christians were to continue steadfastly in being devoted to the teachings of the apostles. We need to understand what the teachings of the apostles are. And like we talked about in our Bible study this morning, one of the ways that we mature as Christians or, or show ourselves to be mature as Christians is to rightly divide the word because that tells me That as Paul wrote to Timothy, that there is a wrong way to divide or an inappropriate way to divide the scriptures. When we are converted to Jesus Christ, it means that we need to know what his instructions are. A person can't say, well, I'm going to be a child of God, but I don't want to listen to what God has to say. There are a lot of people who claim to be Christians in the world today who never open their Bibles. And that ought not be the case. We ought to be people who are of the word and by the word and because of the word, who go book, chapter, and verse for the things that we believe and the things that we practice and the things that we teach to others and the things that we teach and remind to ourselves. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, our anchor text, is one location that helps prove why we follow not only Jesus but the apostles' doctrine. And the reason I point that out is because you may or may not be familiar with the idea or the notion that is taught by some that only Jesus' words are applicable to us today. It is true that what is written in red in your Bibles is applicable to us. But it is no less applicable than the things that were written in black by Paul and James and Peter and John and the others. For the entirety of the Bible is inspired. All scripture is given by inspiration of God or God breathed as Paul wrote in his letter to Timothy. We as modern Christians, those of us who are now living in the 21st century, need to be as devoted to doctrine as they were back then. And I think sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we will acknowledge that the devotion that the early Christians had was superior to the devotion that we have to Scripture today. They were more 
inclined to read and study and learn than what we may be learning today. It is important that we study. It is important that we know the teachings so that we live accordingly. And we need to acknowledge that this may involve some sort of change in our lives. If you read Acts chapter 2, that entire section that we read in our scripture reading today, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? We are not right. We have done what is wrong. What should we do to make an appropriate change for the better? And of course, Peter answered them sufficiently by saying you need to repent. The very first thing that Peter says you need to do is to change. And change is necessary. Is change important in our lives? Of course it is. And it is important for us to change for the better, including by way of our study and devotion to doctrine. And let me suggest finally on this particular point that it's important that we study and know the teachings so that we teach them correctly. I'm reminded of what James had to say in James chapter 3 and verse 1, where he says, My brethren, my friends, my siblings in Christ, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment. Those of us that teach, those of us that preach, we understand that there is a soberness associated with sharing this message with others. And sometimes we can get stuck in a rut where we're just going through the motions of teaching the gospel and not really thinking about what we're doing. When we are teaching someone about Jesus, teaching someone about the gospel message, we are telling them about the importance of being devoted to the doctrine of Jesus Christ, which reminds me of the fact that you cannot have the plan without the man and you can't have the man without the plan. There are individuals who would suggest, well, I want Jesus, but I don't want this. I want to have Jesus as my savior, but don't tell me that I've got to go to services and don't tell me that I've got to read this book. That's not fair. That is opposed to what the teachings of the earliest disciples did. When in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, where we're anchored today, the Bible says that these earliest saints were devoted to doctrine. So I've got to ask myself, and you need to ask yourself, how devoted to doctrine are you? And it may be that you need to up your devotion. It may be that you don't spend enough time studying God's word. Let me suggest and just make this statement that I think we can all agree on and agree to. That if the only occasion wherein you open your Bible is Sunday morning and Wednesday evening, you are not devoted enough. Now, I can't find a scripture that teaches that, of course. But I can find scripture that teaches that the Bereans were noble and that they searched the scriptures daily. I can find passages that talk about the importance of studying God's word. And I can read here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that these earliest disciples, they dedicated and devoted themselves to doctrine. So it wasn't a passive activity wherein, well, someone suggests read the Bible, so I'll read the Bible. No, I want to read God's word because I am devoted to doctrine. And if that only happens an hour or two on the Lord's day, and an hour or two on Wednesday, it's not enough. And I know that I'm talking to a group of people who know their Bibles probably better than anybody else. And you ought to be commended 
for your Bible knowledge. I was talking about this recently with someone that you all are incredible as Bible students. But we ought not rest and say, well, we know enough. The preacher says we're doing really well in our Bible study, so I can just relax now. No, continue to be devoted to that doctrine. But there's a second thing here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 that they devoted themselves to. It's not just to the doctrine, not just to the study of God's word, but they devoted themselves to fellowship. We've talked a lot about fellowship, particularly in our men's study that just concluded a week or so ago. But these early Christians were dedicated or were devoted to fellowship. What does fellowship mean? Fellowship is defined as a partnership or a sharing. So when we have fellowship with God, we are partnered with him. And when we have fellowship with each other, which comes as a byproduct of our fellowship with him, because once we have a relationship with him, we have a relationship with each other. It is a sharing that we have one another. Someone once said that fellowship is the concept of constantly attending to the distribution, whether it be the distribution of the saints or of individuals in general. Think about it from this perspective while opening to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 15, that the earliest disciples, shall we say, addicted themselves to fellowship. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. And it's one of those passages where if you're not careful and if I'm not careful, I'll kind of skip over because sometimes we can be guilty of reading the introductory words of an epistle or the closing words of an epistle and think that those are unimportant sections of the letter. But that's not the case because everything matters in what we read. And in chapter 16, verse 13, Paul says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. I urge you, brethren, verse 15, you know the household of Stephanaeus and that it is the first fruits of Achaia and that they have, here's the word, at least in the New King James Version, devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That concept of being devoted or dedicated or addicted to fellowship. We have to also be devoted to fellowship and we need to addict ourselves to the distribution of to the fellowship of one another. Our fellowship may sometimes mean that we need to sacrifice something. The fellowship that we have, the relationship that we have with each other, is not something that comes without a cost. Now, we may not like to acknowledge so much, but there is a cost to be born, a cost to be entertained when we are thinking about helping someone else. The fellowship that we have with each other will require sometimes our wealth. Sometimes it will require our time. Sometimes it will require our homes. I remember years ago of a family that was going through some difficulties of an emotional level. And one of the local saints said, you're going through an awful lot. You don't need to be alone right now. You're coming to our house right now. And you're going to spend the night with us and we're going to take care of you and we are going to have fellowship with you. We are going to be partnered with you in this difficulty that you are experiencing. We want to provide service to our brethren. 
We are a service-oriented group of people in that we care about each other. That's what the earliest disciples did. They provided service to each other. Now, as you read there in Acts chapter 2, a little bit further, we read that in verse 46, it says, They continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and they ate their food with gentleness, gladness, simplicity of heart. The fact of the matter is, is we are to be associated with one another to the level that we are able to care for one another. But let me go back to a point that I made once before that I want to make again. And I want this to be taken very uh, seriously for you and for me. If the only partnership we have with each other happens within these walls, we are not partnering enough. If the only fellowship that we have with one another is for three hours a week, if the only interaction that we have with each other, if the only time we ever see each other is when we come together on occasions like this at 2091 Pitts Lane, if that's the limit of our fellowship, we are not practicing fellowship in the way that the New Testament Christians practice in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And I've said this before. We are now more fortunate, although it can be used as a crutch, but because of technology, there are really no excuses why we can't be checking in on one another and building up one another and sharing with one another and knowing the needs of one another. Back then, you may only see a Christian from time to time because of the limits of transportation. But these days, because of transportation and because of technology and because of the advent of all of the things that is around us, we have the ability to know so much about everyone. Sometimes we know too much. <laughs> but the fact is, is we have the ability to know what every Christian is going through. We need to be sharing with one another in that partnership because we are devoted to fellowship with one another. There's a third thing that is found in the scripture there in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 where it says they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. They were devoted to fellowship. It says they were devoted to breaking bread. I appreciate our brother Josh leading us through the Lord's Supper today and pointing out that that really is the central reason why we are gathered together today. Why did we come together on the Lord's Day? Well, that's what our parents told us. That's what the, uh, maybe that's what the preacher says to do. No, the reason we come together on the Lord's Day is to worship our God and to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 24 hours from now, on Monday morning, one of the things that we should be thinking about is, I'm only six days away from the Lord's Day. When you go home on Wednesday evening after Bible study, you should be thinking only three or four days until the Lord's Day. Because we should be anxiously anticipating and excited about the opportunity to come together and to commune with Christ and to commune with each other. The early Christians, our brothers and sisters who lived some 1900 to 2000 years ago, were told to dedicate or devote themselves to this important part of worship and their week. Again, a point that I'm trying to make and I hope is abundantly clear. If the only time we think about the Lord, his sacrifice, the salvation that we enjoy through him, and the 
gift that was given on the cross is for a period of five to ten minutes once a week on Sunday morning, then we are not doing what we are supposed to be doing. But rather it is a process where we think about it on the Lord's Day during that five to ten minute period. But on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, while we're not partaking of the Lord's Supper, because that would be a violation of biblical principle, of course, we need to be thinking about those very pure thoughts about the Lord's Supper. And as we grow closer to Sunday, it's as if one preacher says, it's just a couple of days to Sunday. It's getting closer to the Lord's Day when we come together. Consider, if you would, what is written in a passage that you are likely familiar with in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We are very familiar with chapter 11. And in fact, we read chapter 11 oftentimes, and rightly so, when we partake of the Lord's Supper. But go back to chapter 10 and pick up in about verse 16. He says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? By the way, that word communion is the same word for fellowship. For we, verse 17, though many are one bread, one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. We talked in our Bible class this morning where very late in his letter to the church at Philippi, Paul talked about the importance of being mature, of having the same rule, of having the same mind. He talks about that to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4 where he says you are to be one body, one spirit, that you are baptized in that one baptism. The fact of the matter is, is we are this communion that we have with Christ and we partake of that each Lord's day. We ought not think about coming to church services and merely hearing a good sermon or singing good songs or praying together. Those are important things to look forward to. And let's face it, David and I really hope that you do look forward to good sermons when you come together. But the real focus, and I appreciate so much what our brother Slaughter had to say this morning, is we come together so that we can partake of the Lord's Supper, so that we can remember Jesus. And even now, while we're listening to a sermon, if that mind goes to Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, and his life, and his hope, your mind is in the right place. Again, Paul uses the word communion here, which is the same work for fellowship. It's the idea of working for fellowship and the word for fellowship. If you read verse 16 and 17, literally in a Greek word for word, it will read this way. It will say, the cup of the blessing which we bless not a participation of the blood of the anointed, is it? And I love the way that it's rendered in a word-for-word translation. The cup of the blessing which we bless, not a participation of the blood of the anointed, is it? Of course it is. We are participating with Jesus. And let's face it, he, what he did was committed himself to the cross and devoted himself to the cross. We ought also to commit and devote ourselves to him. Given the privilege that we have to participate in the Lord's Supper, we should really and truly be devoted. I was reminded of what the Hebrew writer had to say in Hebrews chapter 6 
and verse 6, where he says there, If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. We need to be so devoted to fellowship, devoted to doctrine, and devoted to breaking bread that we are seeking constantly to participate in those things and never to disappoint our God. But there's a fourth and a final thing that these early saints were devoted to as we read there in Acts chapter 2 in verse 42. It says that they were devoted to prayers. Early Christians, our early siblings, dedicated themselves to communication with God. Some 30 or so times in the book of Acts, depending on the version you're reading from, we see where these earliest disciples prayed to God. Let me go back and repeat for a fourth time. And now you understand where I'm going. If the only time that you pray to God is a handful of times on the Lord's Day and on Wednesday, you are not praying enough. Let me go a little bit further. That if the only time that you pray is the compulsory prayer before you eat two or three times a day, plus the Lord's Day and the Wednesday, that's not enough either. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and he said, pray without ceasing. You see, practicing these things that the earliest Christians were devoted to are things that were truly devoted to and dedicated to and continuing steadfastly in. And think about it from this perspective, that given the struggles of the earliest Christians, they definitely needed the power of prayer. But, you know, we may not live in a time of Roman persecution. We may not live in a time where our lives are going to be threatened. The fact of the matter is, is we need prayer just as much as they did. And we need to be men and women of prayer. How's your prayer life? We asked how your study life was in devotion to doctrine. How's your fellowship life in relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ? How's your life in terms of partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine? Is your mind really focused where it needs to be? And fourthly, how devoted are you to prayer? To be transformed men and women, individuals, as talked about in Romans chapter 12, verses 2, and chapter 12, verse 12, Paul tells us to be devoted to prayer. We need to be people who really pray and pray hard and pray continually. Let me go even further and suggest finally on this particular point that prayer can't be something that we simply do. It has to be something that we are and that we become. It reminds me of the man who I referenced this a few days ago or a few weeks ago who was asked about his prayer life. And he responded in a way that was different than I had ever heard before by saying, I've never really thought about my prayer life. I've just thought about life because life without prayer is not really life. The point that he was making is that I don't think about living and praying. I think about just life as being prayer and prayer being life and the two going hand in hand with each other. We need to be devoted to prayer, praying for ourselves praying for each other, praying for those in the world, praying for our families, 
praying for the church. These are things that the earliest Christians devoted themselves to. And you know, when Luke recorded what the earliest Christians associated themselves with, he could have cataloged a dozen or two dozen things, but he chose four things. He says, be devoted to doctrine and fellowship, to the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. If you do those four things, and you devote yourselves to those four things fully each day that you live, you will be a more mature Christian like we talked about in our Bible study this morning. So how devoted are you? And how devoted am I? In the early days of their Christian lives, these New Testament saints were devoted to a cause and committed themselves to a cause. And we should do the same. And so let me conclude with this. I would urge you, and I'm urging myself this week and in the coming weeks of this year, to spend a little more time studying the teachings of Christ. Because after all, that's what the doctrine is. The doctrine is his teachings. And the teachings are his doctrine. Is there room for you to improve in your study life this week? The answer is either yes or no. And I don't think that anybody would be bold enough to say, no, I can't find any more time to study. Absolutely. I can find an additional few moments to meditate on God's word and to study the teachings of Christ. Let's distribute our time and our encouragement in fellowship with one another a little more this week. If the only time that you have fellowship with Christians, that you talk with Christians, that you engage with Christians, is for the hours that we're together at this address, it's not enough. Let's improve on that if there's room for improvement. Thirdly, let's think about Christ's sacrifice more this week more than just for five or ten minutes on the Lord's Day, and let's anxiously anticipate breaking bread again. May even go so far as to text someone this week and say, you know what, I hope you've had a good week. I've had a good week. I am looking forward to the Lord's Day when we can commune with God again and break bread. And then finally, let's not just pray when it's convenient, because there are convenient times to pray. And there are those kind of perfunctory times where we just get together and we pray. But let's pray when it's difficult. Let's pray when it's not convenient. Let's pray because it's the right thing to do and because we want to draw ourselves closer to God. This devotion, this commitment, nay, even this addiction will help us immensely. Let's be as devoted as the earliest followers were some 2,000 years ago. Is there room for improvement with you? I know what the answer is for me. The answer is yes. I can improve in these four areas. Not just one of the four. All four of them. I have room for improvement. And I hope that you can as well. When we began, we began by acknowledging that the greatest choice a person ever makes is to become a child of God. And we end with a plea to you that if you're not a Christian, that you'll make the commitment this morning, maybe even the devotion this morning, to Jesus Christ by being baptized to have your sins washed away. 
If that is something that you need to do, we welcome the opportunity to help you begin your walk of devotion to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If as a child of God, maybe you've lost sight of some of these things. Maybe your prayer life isn't what it needs to be. Your study life isn't what it needs to be. Maybe you just kind of go through the motions when you partake of the Lord's Supper. These are all things that you can improve on, should improve on, and we want you to improve on. And if we can help you in that way, by praying with you or studying with you or meditating with you on these scriptures, we would be happy to do so. If we can help you in any way, if we can help you to improve and be devoted to our great God and our mighty warrior, we would love the opportunity to help while together we stand and while we sing.